Amen. Thank you. Thank you, Dr. Kyle. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, just to let you know, Heidi, when, when you said, when you see a penny, most people walk by. She said, not us. Oh, just letting you know. Right, Heidi? That's right. Your pastor too. Yeah, yeah. I learned from the best. But uh, when Dr. Kyle was talking about that, and, and uh, one thing Heidi and I did early on with our children was to put a savings together for a Disneyland trip. And it took us seven years to save just for them to go to Disneyland. But what we told our children is God blesses us financially. And so if we walk by a penny, why would God give us more? It's like God was saying, can you be faithful with the little? So I'm not here to say, now you got to look all over the place, but it was just a principle that we lived by and we still do that. So if you drop one penny and you don't pick them up, I'm going to be right there. I can grab them. But uh, why don't we open up our Bibles to 2 Timothy 3.16. And we've been talking about the, the history and authenticity of the Bible. And when you turn there, it's going to be in the New Testament. Uh, if you open your Bibles way to the back, it's, it's going to be uh, past Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and, and we call those the Gospels. And then it's going to uh, be closer to the backside if you're looking at uh, your Bible. And 2 Timothy 3.16 is a scripture you've been looking at over the past couple of weeks. Uh, sometimes we'll read a portion of scripture and then we won't understand it. And then uh, we'll just, you know... Let it go and, and not dig deeper into it. But I want us to really think through what 2 Timothy 3.16 is all about. And so before we dive into the Word of God, we're going to pray so that we can get a crystal clear focus on what God wants to do in our hearts tonight. So let's bow our heads and let's pray. Lord, we thank you for the inspired Word of God. That it's not men that has inspired its writings, but it's you who has inspired the writings. It's not men who felt great about writing something down. And they weren't inspired by you. Your word is inspired all by itself, with or without mankind. And so as we dig deep into your word, we want to learn more and more what it's all about. What does it mean to have an Old Testament and a New Testament? What does it mean to read our Bible? And why is it so significant for us to understand about reading the Bible and, and having the Bible a part of our lives? And so we open our hearts to you tonight, Lord. Holy Spirit, guide us unto all truth. And help us as we read your scriptures so that we can become more and more the person you made us to be. In Jesus' name we pray. And we all said, Amen. Amen. So think about it this way. In 2 Timothy 3.16, when God speaks these words to us, it's like he's saying it directly to us. Although it was written down, it was a way for God to bring to us his message. And it's unchanging. So 2 Timothy 3.16, you may have a different version, but I'm reading out of the New American Standard Bible. It says, All Scripture is inspired by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness, so that the man of God may be adequate and equipped for every good work. And that's why we're here tonight. We call it Wednesday Equip. It's so that we can be equipped with the Word of God, not so that we just know Scripture or have read the Bible or read Scripture, but so that we can be equipped to do something with it. In this life, we need to be equipped to live. If you just survive in this world, and if you just work and you know, play and, and uh, live your life however you want to, you can exist, but you would have no purpose. You can try your very best to reach your God-given potential, but you can only go so far. We need something to help us become who God made us to be. It's like any mechanic... 
If you fix cars, you bring along your tools. You don't just go to your friend's house and look at his engine and say, Oh, brother, you got to change this, this and that. Your piston's broken, so we have to rechange the whole thing. And, and your friend says, Okay, let's do that. And you just stand there and say, Oh, but I don't want tools. You get but a knife. You need your tools to work on the car because that's what mechanics use. Just like any sports athlete or a golfer, you don't go to the golf course with just one club. Your putter or just your driving uh, club, you don't go with just one. You take more than that because that's what's required for you to be successful when you play golf. Uh, Women, very rarely do you go anywhere without your purse. Some of you are saying something else. But you do go places without your makeup. Like 12.30 at night, if you got to get something from the store, no more milk, you just put your hair in a ponytail, put on some shades, even at night, and you go to the store. <laughs> but usually you carry your purse. Men, we usually carry our wallet because that's essential for us to get things. We carry things with us. With, with us, And we have things in our home so that we can live. We have food. We have electricity. Here in America, we use those things. But I wonder, when God was... Bringing us his word when he was thinking about us today, that we would have the Bible. I wonder if he did that so that we would have something to bring alongside of us as we live this life. That whatever situation we are in, it's the tools for our life. It's not just showing up somewhere in a marriage and saying, oh, I'm going to make it work. Well, how? Oh, I'm I'm just going to, you know. Uh, I'm going to love you. You're going to love me. We're going to make some vows. Uh, we're going to exchange rings. We're going to sign a certificate of marriage. And so our marriage is going to be successful. There needs to be something that's going to help us become successful in every area of our life, in whatever direction we're going to pursue. There needs to be something to help us live the life that we live. If not, we're going to try things our own way. And many of us have. We have put God's word on the side and we say, I'm going to figure this out myself. But I know a little bit of the word of God. Enough to do certain things. Enough so that I can kind of squeak by. But I never reach my God-given potential. And we put the word of God on the side. And once in a while, we'll quote a scripture or we'll look up a scripture. Or whenever we're in trouble, we'll find a scripture to help us. We'll jump on google.com and we'll look up a scripture. What do you do when you're hopeless? What scripture can I look up for hopeless? What, can I, what scripture is good for hurt or pain? And then we'll read that scripture and then we'll feel good because it's the word of God. But I wonder, why would I just use the word of God only when I'm hurt or in trouble or cannot figure things out? Why not have this a part of my life So that instead of being reactive towards things, I'm proactive. That instead of going into my marriage blind, and then when things don't work out, then I turn to the Bible and try to figure out, okay, where did I go wrong? Before you jump into another relationship, instead of doing things your own, go to the Word of God before that happens and say, Lord, what do you say about relationships? What do you say about finances? What do you say about my family? What do you say about raising children? See, the Word of God is that valuable. It's able to judge the thoughts and intentions of our heart. Which brings us back to, maybe that's why many of us don't want to get into the Word of God. We know exactly what it's going to do. It's going to judge the heart. 
But that's a good thing. It's a good thing that the Bible is able to judge the, the thoughts and intentions of our heart. Turn to Hebrews 4.12. And if, you just, if you're in 2 Timothy, you can turn to the right and you're going to find Hebrews. Hebrews 4.12. And I'm reading out of the New King James Version Bible. Hebrews 4.12. It says, For the word of God is living and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the division of soul and spirit, of joints and marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and intentions of the heart. And this is what it continues to say in verse 13. And there is no creature hidden from his sight, but all things are naked and open to the eyes of him to whom we must give account. And it continues, Seeing... That we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God. Let us hold fast our confession. For we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses, but was in all points tempted as we are, yet without sin. Then it says this, Let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace, that we may obtain mercy and find help in time of need. So the Word of God is given to us not just so that we can, when we hit a certain point in life, a painful situation, a, a one we can't figure it out. It's not just for those times to help us, but it's really there so that as Jesus and us are walking together, it makes for a better relationship so that when I enter into different areas of my life that I have absolutely no idea about, and I don't know what walls I'm going to hit, it's like God already helped me through before I even made those decisions. Before I even hit the wall, God will give me a word that will help me to either tear, tear down that wall or simply avoid that wall. That's how good the Word of God is. That's how precise the Word of God is. How often I'll read in the Bible and read my devotions. We call it devotions when you read your Bible and then you journal. That I'll read that and it's something that I'm dealing with already but have not yet made a permanent decision. I'm still wrestling with something. Then I'll read the Word of God and I'll think, Oh man, okay, that's what I need to do. I, I need to do A, B, C, and D. Because if I did not, and I went ahead with what I was going to do, yes, I will hit the wall, and yes, I will come back to the Word of God. But it's like God is saying, I can help you avoid years of frustration with your life. But if you're not in my Word, you're not going to catch it. And so He gives us His Word so that we can build a foundational lifestyle with Him. One man had a task that he wanted to complete. And, and just looking at the, the authenticity of the Bible and, and, and wanting to write down word for word from the Bible, he wanted to see how long it would take him to write down word for word. Because the Bible is written in a time span of 1,600 years. 66 books in its entirety with over 40 authors. So he wanted to just copy word for word and see how long it would take. It took him four years. Now, four years just penning the words, I think 788,000 words he wrote down. And I thought, wait, it, you know, one person can sit with the, and he, he wrote the King James Version, just, you know, copied it. That one person can write that and it'll take four years just to write down the word of God. I can imagine how long it would take for us to even understand the Word of God. 
Sometimes I think we feel that I don't want to go to the Word of God because I'm not going to understand anything from the Word of God. And when I do open it, and I'm going to try and exercise right here, I'm going to just open up to the book of Joshua. And I'm going to read this. And let's see if it makes sense to you. And I'm going to poll you, okay? So don't act like we're smart tonight. Just, I mean, don't act like we're dumb, but I want you to answer this. On the day Joshua took Mecca and struck it and its king with the edge of the sword, he utterly destroyed them and all the people who were in it. He let none remain. He also did to the king of Mecca as he had done to the king of Jericho. Then Joshua passed from Mecca and all Israel with him to Libna. And they fought against Libna, and the Lord also delivered it and its kings into the hand of Israel. He struck it, and all the people who were in it with the edge of the sword, he let none remain in it, but did to its king as he had done to the king of Jericho. Now, how many of you can apply that to your life right now? Just raise your hand that you could apply that to your life. I'm just asking. Right. Maybe you translate and say, wait a minute, so I can go to work and bring a sword. So, if you just read that... Many of us would read that and say, I don't even understand that. How am I going to apply that in my life? I can't apply that in my life. But if you understand what Jericho represented, that it was one of the cities that God wanted them to take over. And if you study the history or even read the books before the book of Joshua, then you would get a better context of what they were doing. That even in this situation, when Joshua was taking over these cities, it was the land that God promised them. That he still had to work hard at obtaining the promised land. It's like God says, yeah, I have your promises right up ahead. But there are some things that you guys did not do. So now, therefore, you're going to have to fight for the promises. They didn't completely obey God. They still had to fight for the promises. Now, you can only understand certain parts of the Bible if you're actually reading the Bible. But you know what is very interesting? Many of us will not read even the Old Testament because we don't understand it. So we stay close to the New Testament and we'll read just when Jesus was around because it makes a lot more sense. But even that, many of us won't even read the New Testament. We'll just pick and choose whatever scriptures we want because it relates to us. As a husband, I'm going to look up, okay, as a husband, what scriptures relate to me? Then I'm going to look up all the scriptures that can help me as a husband. So I'll stick to those. Or if you're dealing with parenting, you're going to look up all those scriptures. But then, sometimes even that, we don't, we don't go and gravitate towards. So what we do is we just take one scripture, and we call it a life scripture, which is fine. But we never get into the whole word of God. We take a piece of the word of God. And then we think with this one piece of God, one scripture, this will help me in my entire life. That this scripture is going to save my marriage. This scripture is going to save my family. It's going to save me from debt. It's going to save me from oppression. And it's like God is saying, wait a minute, I gave you 788,000 words. Why are you squandering it? And there's so much more to the Bible than... Fixing us. It's a relationship with Jesus Christ. That when you read the Bible from beginning to end, everything points to Jesus Christ. Everything. That's why it's so important for us to understand the Old Testament and the New Testament. Because it's both put together pointing to Jesus Christ. It's a life that Jesus lived that causes us to understand why God gave us the entire Bible. 
why these men had to write down what they wrote down, why it was inspired, why it was God-breathed. If you came home from work or from school or you just came home and uh, you had a note on your counter, you would obey that note dependent on who wrote it. If you're a child and your parents wrote it, you would probably obey it. If there was a little PS on the bottom that said, if not, you're grounded, you'd probably do what it said. But if it was from your brother or sister, you may not obey it as much as if it were your parents. If you came home and it was a note from your wife and she said something like, can you take out the chicken from the refrigerator or from the freezer so it can defrost for dinner? If not, we're not going to have dinner. You're thinking, wait, I want to eat. So you'll obey it because of its content. God's word is kind of like that. That when we read his word, there's, there's a purpose for it. It's not just for us to read and understand history, but it's also to help us in every single situation of our life, not when it happens, not after it happens, but even before it happens. You know what was uh, amazing about Jesus Christ is that he was able to walk on this earth as all God, but all human, and bring everything into context. Now, we got to remember the New Testament was not written yet when Jesus was on the earth because the New Testament came in the first century after Jesus was, uh, went to the cross and resurrected. Then you had, uh, like Paul the Apostle, write uh, the epistles or the, the letters to the different churches. You had Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Uh, they wrote their witness or their eyewitness, their point of view of what took place. Then you had uh, you know, John writing the book of Revelation, and that was the last book written. And so you, you have them writing what took place. This is after Jesus went to the cross and then was resurrected. And if you look at what Jesus was able to do, even when he was walking this earth, he didn't just walk this earth and randomly say things. He didn't just walk on this earth and just live his life according to, okay, I'm the son of God, so I'm just going to do whatever I want to do. I'm the son of God. He really was obedient to the Father above. He was that obedient. In fact, Jesus quoted so much of the Old Testament. He didn't didn't put the Old Testament on the side. He didn't put the laws of God on the side. He said, I came to fulfill the laws of God. I didn't come to abolish the laws. I came to fulfill them. I came so that you would have life and life abundantly. Everything that Jesus did lined up with the Old Testament. How many prophecies were given about Jesus Christ that that proved who he was? It's interesting that Jesus himself, when he quoted the Old Testament, many of them were wondering, where did he get that? How is he so wise? Now remember, Jesus was 33 years old when he went to the cross and about age 30 when he started his public ministry. What do you think he was doing for 30 years? Yes, he was a carpenter and he was building certain things, but he was memorizing scripture. Where was he memorizing scripture from? From the Old Testament. That he was putting into his heart the inspired word of God. He wasn't picking up Newsweek magazine and reading that and remembering that. He wasn't, he wasn't picking up other books and trying to memorize that. He was memorizing the Word of God. Now, I'll use leadership books. I'll, I'll you know, learn from other you know, uh, books that were written. I'll learn from podcasts, and, and we do that. 
but not separate from the Word of God. The Word of God must be my first and foremost learning tool. That's what I need for my life. Because no other foundation can be laid than the one that is already laid, that is in Christ Jesus. Christ Jesus is the Word of God. So the book of John tells us that the Word is Christ. And I think if we're to understand the significance of the Word of God and how it helps us before certain things take, takes place, then I think we would understand more and more how priorities and us putting priorities together makes more sense. There's not a day that goes by that we're not busy. We all have schedules. We try our very best to keep a calendar. We put it in our, our phones. We put it on the wall. We, we put post-its up. But I wonder how many of us actually schedule time to read the Word of God. Or do we just flip it through and then that's it. We just look for a scripture for today. And God, I'm, I, okay, that's the scripture of the day. Or pick up a great devotional book and we'll read it. And we'll read what that other person felt from God. And then we'll take that. It's like God is saying, wait a minute, I gave you something. That was that guy's food. So basically what we're doing, and, and not to down anyone who does you know, devotional books or devotional readings, but it's almost like God gave them food to eat, and then I took their leftovers. And I'm saying, what, what did you eat today? Oh, I, I ate this and that. Oh, can I have some? Sure. And they share with you. You will still eat. You will still get some nutrients. You will still satisfy your hunger to a certain degree. But I wonder if what that person was eating from God was specifically for them. It's kind of like diets. There's all kinds of diets. There's a paleo diet. There's a South Beach diet. There's, I don't know what else diet. I think there's an Atkinson's diet. Uh, there's like all vegetable diet. There's also uh, no sugar diet. There's gluten-free diet. There's, uh, what's the one that is uh, organic? Organic diet, I guess. You just eat whatever is organic. Uh, there's the non-starch diet. So there's all these different diets. It's like you taking over someone's diet that is beneficial for them and their health at the stage of their life. That the doctor said, you need to stay close to this diet because these types of food are no good for you and these types of food are good for you. And then we say, what are you eating? Oh, I'm eating this, this, and that. Oh, I'll eat that too. But then the doctor says, that's not good for you at this stage of your life. And so even though we may take different things from other people, it's almost like God is saying, I'm, I want to give you the perfect diet for what you're going through, the perfect diet for your life, the perfect plan for your life. Not someone's else, someone else's plan, someone else's diet, someone else's word. But I want to give you fresh bread. I want to give you leftovers. I want to give you fresh bread. The problem with that is it takes time and energy to make your own food. It takes time and energy to sit before God and hear His voice. It takes, it takes a commitment to say, God, you give me your word. I'm going to take time out to be in your word. And it's a commitment. It's, it's not easy to do. Now, for some of you, it's, it may be very easy. Some of you can get up, you know, 4 o'clock in the morning and you got, you got it down. It's routine, you, like clockwork. You can open the Bible and you love to read. For others, like me, we're ADD. So when we sit down, we just we can't keep still. So we're trying to read the Word of God, and oh, I've got I to 
text this. Oh, I got to open this email. Oh, somebody called me. Oh, I got to return this. And next thing you know, it's 12 o'clock midnight and you're trying to read. And you're like, oh, Lord, speak to me. Because you're trying your very best to put God in your schedule. Something has to give. And the sad thing is, something will give. If we're not in the Word of God, we're more susceptible to hurt feelings. We're more susceptible to uh, being offended quickly. We're more prone to cause offenses. We're more prone to uh, judge other people. When we're not in the Word of God, we're more prone to stray from God. When we're not in the Word of God. But when we're in the Word of God, we become more and more like Him. See, God's Word does something inside of us. It's more than just reading a book. Jesus said it in this way in Mark chapter 7. In fact, you can turn there. It's in the New Testament. Matthew, Mark. Mark chapter 7, verses 1 through 8. So Jesus is speaking this, and this is when the Pharisees all came together. It says this in verse 1, Mark chapter 7. It says, Then the Pharisees and some of the scribes came together to him, having come from Jerusalem. Now when they saw some of his disciples eat bread with defiled, that is, with unwashed hands, they found fault. For the Pharisees and all the Jews do not eat unless they wash their hands in a special way, holding the tradition of the elders. When they come from the marketplace, they do not eat unless they wash. And there are many other things which they have received and hold, like the washing of cups, pitchers, chopper vessels, oh, copper vessels, and couches. Then the Pharisees and scribes asked them, Why do your disciples not walk according to the tradition of the elders, but eat bread with unwashed hands? He answered and said to them, Well, did Isaiah prophesy of you hypocrites as it is written? Now, what Jesus is about to say is quoted from the book of Isaiah chapter 29. And we'll go and look at that. And he says this, This people honors me with their lips. But their heart is far from me, and in vain they worship me, teaching as doctrines and commandments of men. For laying aside the commandment of God, ye hold the tradition of men, the washing of pitchers and cups, and many other such things you do. What Jesus was saying is, because you just hang on to your traditions and the things that you've always done, and you have not understood the word of God, now you're... You're a person who's starting to find fault in other people. That just because they didn't do something that was holding your tradition or that was your tradition, now you're saying, why, why are they doing that? Now you're judging them for something they're not doing according to your tradition. Rather than understanding the Word of God in its entirety. So when Jesus was correcting them, He quoted from the book of Isaiah. And you can turn there, it's in the Old Testament. Uh, if you almost go to the middle then you'll be around there, but I'll uh, read it even still. Isaiah chapter 29, verses 13 and 14. And this is when Isaiah was talking to the 
people of God or the those living in Jerusalem about their worship unto God. Therefore the Lord said in verse 13, Isaiah 29, Inasmuch as these people draw near with their mouths and honor me with their lips, but have removed their hearts far from me, and their fear toward me is taught by the commandment of men. Therefore, behold, I will again do a marvelous work among this people, a marvelous work and a wonder. For the wisdom of their wise men shall perish, and the understanding of their prudent men shall be hidden. Jesus quoted what Isaiah just said. That these, people's, these people praise me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. And Jesus could say that because it was God's inspired word. It wasn't something that Jesus was thinking up to say, okay, what can I say to put down these Pharisees? What can I say that will put them in their place? He said, no, you know what I'm going to give them? I'm going to give them fresh bread. I'm going to give them something that is beneficial for them right now. That I can quote any other word, I can quote any other scripture, but this is beneficial for them right now because this is what they need to understand. And when Jesus quoted that scripture, it was beneficial for them at a very specific time. It was fresh bread. It wasn't a leftover from some, someplace else. He said, my word is fresh and I'm going to give it to you right now exactly how you need to hear it. That Isaiah was talking about you guys today. Yeah, but that happened hundreds of years ago. That's not fresh bread. No, no, no. It was written specifically for them at that specific moment when Jesus spoke it. Which, catch this. Whenever we read the word of God and God reveals a fresh revelation to us. It is fresh bread, even though the Bible has been written hundreds and thousands of years ago. It's fresh bread. Because Jesus is the bread of life. And He gives us His word every single day. He helps us to understand what it means to live an authentic lifestyle for Him. And when we can understand that Jesus gives us exactly what we need for the exact specific time... Why else would I want to read anything else? Everything else is side order. This is the main meal. Amen. Close your Bibles and we're going to pray. Side orders are still good. Gotta love His Word. I want to say something right now, and and please don't use this against me. Please. Just being transparent. I skip every now and then a day. Sometimes I'm not in the Word of God in a day. And when I'm not in the Word of God for one day, I notice it. If I'm not in the Word of God two days, Heidi notices it. If I'm not in the Word of God for three days everyone else will notice it. So if you've forgotten one day, you skip a meal, just go back to the Word of God. It'll always be fresh. He's always waiting for us. If you skip a meal, you skip lunch, you skip dinner, you don't just throw in the towel and say, I'm not going to eat anymore. Sometimes we make it up for the next meal, we just eat twice, but we go back and eat. If you have not been in the Word of God, and and maybe you've been feeling frail, spiritually, emotionally, maybe even physically, maybe we got to get back to the bread of life. For God gives us this 
for every single part of our lives, whatever we go through, and whatever we will not go through. That He can save us from years of frustration. We got to love His Word. We got to love the fact that God breathed these words into existence so that we today can understand the purpose that He created us for. Because we all have a purpose. Sometimes it's getting into the Word of God to figure that out. Would you pray with me tonight? Let's bow our heads. Heavenly Father, we are so grateful that you have given us your word. That in the beginning was the word. And the word was with God. But then the word became flesh and dwelt among us. And that's you, Christ. That as we read these words, Old Testament and New Testament, before you came and even after you came to this earth, that it'll feed our soul that every word that was written means something. And so let us fall in love with the Word of God that even with all the technology today, even with having the world's information at our fingertips, your Word never changes because you are the same yesterday, today, and forever. And we're thankful that there is something in our world that is unchanging, that we can always go back to it. And what you said thousands of years ago, you are still saying today, and it is more relevant today than Google, than our newspaper, than the news, and the things we read. Let us put this into our hearts. And I pray that your spirit will pour out on every single one of us as we dig into your word. We thank you for feeding us well. In Jesus' name we pray. We all said, Amen. Can we thank our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ?